This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's Morning Bible Study. We are in Genesis chapter 34, and we're finishing the Dinah incident or the rape of Dinah, and it is it is one of those incidents that we have to we have to deal with and I do want to deal with it because it does have implications for the future and it has it has troubling implications for the people that are the children of these two tribes the tribe of Levi and his brother the tribe of Simeon Simeon what happened is that they their sister had some kind of relations to, with uh, with Shech and Hamor they are a clan of the Canaanite tribes and they want to have a relationship and they want to build ties between their family and have a deal where they marry, intermarry with their children and their daughters. And they come up with this deal. And the two that work the deal are, like I said, Simeon and Levi. And it's their sister who is Dinah, who's going through all these. And as we go through it, as you consider what's going on, what's happening, you realize that they've told them that if they will be circumcised, and this is another one of those things that's a little bit uncomfortable, but they'll be circumcised, then they can be a part of them because it is their religious custom to be circumcised. And notice, it is their religious custom, and it's wrong for them to do it according to their religious custom or their traditions. And that that brings us to uh, to a point I would like to make that I think is something that is nuanced in this passage, but something that I think we can mine out of the passage, which helps us. There are things that are important in any church or any group of believers, and we call them traditions. And there's nothing wrong with traditions in the sense of traditions usually develop around things that God moved in. So take, for instance, God moves in a event or a thing that happens in the church or around how things operate in the church. And there are so numerous that I cannot, I can't name them all. And because of God's movement, the church in a real sense builds a standing stone, which is an Old Testament idea of putting up an altar, a standing stone, and they make that action or that activity or that way of doing things, they make that their tradition. And the reason they do that is they make that their tradition. It's important. It's something that God moved in in, and they want to remember that. Now, the problem is when we do that and we make traditions into rituals in which we believe it causes God to come and meet with us because of those rituals, that's when you really have trouble. And I would say to you that our traditions that grow up around seeing God move, if you're going to keep those traditions regularly, you got to tell the stories then. You got to always tell the stories of how God moved at that time because the standing stones are not there just for their own purpose. They're there to remind us of what God's done. So if you're not going to remind yourself 
of the actions of God, if you're not going to remind yourselves of the acts of God, then the tradition or the rule or the it eventually becomes, like I said, some kind of sacrament or it becomes some kind of ritual that your church does. If you're doing that because of that, or maybe just you as a believer, if you're doing that and not telling the story of the acts of God, then what you're doing is you're making that a way to get to God that's not in scripture. It's just in your experience. And that's just not biblical. It's not right. And God even talks about not falling into the trap of making your religious experience or your experience with God a ritualistic one or based off of just your traditions. Because what does that leave out? It leaves out your actual relationship with him right now. Because God wants to have done many things in the past that you remember him for and glorify him for. He's not against that. In fact, he's absolutely for that. That being said, he also wants to, if he's going to do those things that are in the past that are wonderful and powerful and mighty for you and yours, if he wants to, if he's going to do those things, he also wants to be doing things in the future. And so he doesn't want the actions of the past to limit the possibilities of the future because you get all caught up in the traditions of the moment. And those traditions or rituals can oftentimes lead you to a place where you're not, uh, you're not actually growing and you're not actually seeing God move in the moment. One of the things in the Old Testament that God gave his people was this idea of circumcision. And uh, circumcision has a lot of principles, but mainly, and I'm going to just go into this because if I were in a group of adults and I knew I was in a group of adults, I'd explain it a little bit more detailed. But right now, basically, it means to them that they're set apart and that they should not intermarry with those who are not a part of Israel, that they're not a part of the kingdom. And that's an obvious, that's an obvious idea that we get from that. And it's an obvious principle in the Old Testament that we understand. And with that principle and with that obvious idea, it's, it's, it's important that you see that circumcision was important. But notice, they're using it as a religious ritual that must be undergone in order to be a part of their family or their group or their religion. And they're forcing these people who are not, who do not know God, and do not have a relationship with God to undergo this ritual in order for them to have a relationship with them. Now, that is the ugliness of ritualism because what ends up happening is people begin to come in and they begin to do the rituals as if that's going to make them okay with God. They begin to do those rituals as if that's going to make them okay with God, and they never, ever begin to understand the depth and the breadth of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the scary part of ritualism. That's what causes ritualism to become, to become deadly, to become painful, to become awful, to become a curse on the church rather than a blessing of remembering the past and remembering what God has done. And so that's what they tell them to do. Now, in this circumstance, they're telling them to do that in order to manipulate them into a position so that they can take revenge on them. And that leads us to the final understanding that we need to get from this passage. That is, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. If you're going to take vengeance on someone, you are taking God's job from you. God's job is to be your protector. He's to be your shield. He's to be your source of comfort. He's to be the one who takes revenge for you if that is necessary, because obviously he's the one who understands what vengeance is, and he understands the purpose 
of that vengeance. And so what happened is they got them circumcised. And if you're circumcised, especially under the circumstances in which they would have been circumcised, which would have meant that they would have been cut with a flint rock. And so for several days, they are going to be incapacitated. They're, going to, they're not going to be able to defend themselves or take care of themselves, the men of that city. And they are in a vulnerable position because of the ritual in which Levi and Simeon had told them that they've got to in, engage in so that they can be a part of their. And so it says in verse 25, now it came to pass on the third day. When they were in pain, notice it's on the third day, which is weird to me and so strange to me. It's not weird, but on the third day, when I always think about the third day, I always think about the resurrection of Jesus. There's not going to be grace and there's not going to be any atoning for sin in this situation. There is going to be blood, but it's not going to be the shedding of blood for God's glory. It's going to be shedding of blood for the vengeance of man. And when I see third day, I always think of the great works that God has done for us through Jesus Christ himself. And so when I read that, it scares me when they're involving somebody in ritualism, ultimately, which leads to their death. The, sim sim the symbolism of this is very painful. And for the tribe of Levi to be associated with this kind of leads you to the understanding of how Jesus would have been very negative about ritualism and about the priest being under the Levitical line. And the reason... Because of that, Jesus did not come in the line of Levi as the great high priest. He came in the line of Melchizedek, and that is a whole Bible study unto itself, and I think I've actually done that Bible study for y'all. It says, Now it came to pass on the third day, when they were in pain, that the two sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Diamond, Dinah's brother, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. I don't think I really need to say a whole lot about that. They were bold because they tricked these guys into being incapacitated, and they came into the town, probably a town of several hundred, at least a few hundred, and they uh, killed all the males. That's what they did. And they killed Hamor and Shechem, Shechem being the one who had the relationship with Dinah and the one who wanted to marry her and take her as his wife, and they killed her father too with the edge of the sword, and they took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. And so she was already living there. She was already acting as his wife. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. It says they took their sheep and their oxen and their donkeys that was, the, that was in the city and that was in the field. And all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, they took captive and they plundered even all that was in the houses. And so they took everything. And they, then they took their children and their wives and their daughters and took them as slaves to, to be under their rule. That this is, I, there's no way for me to describe this as anything other than really what you would just say is evil. They tricked them. They gave them a religious ritual to perform in order for them to be a part of their family and in order for them to have a relationship with each other and to intermarry and to become family together. And when they were at their most vulnerable, they came in with a sword and they killed all of them. And the Bible says they killed every male and they took everything they had. So you have, you have murder, you have armed robbery, you have, and I, I'm going into my lawyer, you have armed robbery, you have kidnapping, you have theft of property, 
in the first degree. All these would be first degree crimes. And you have kidnapping and you have forced bondage or slavery. And that there's just nothing in this that is positive or good. There's really nothing I can say about this that would make that I can say about this that I think has any spiritual depth to it in any way that would help us. This is the horrific end to a person wanting to have their own vengeance. And let me say this, if you have the desire to take vengeance for yourself and not allow the Lord to take vengeance, there's a whole big difference between protecting other people, protecting the community, doing things that are necessary in a governmental capacity or even in a community capacity in order to protect who you are and what you have and your loved ones who are not defensible on their own. There's a whole big argument that we went through during during the Enlightenment and uh, and most of the great thinkers of the 16th, 15th, 16th, and 17th century dealt with all these ideas and understandings and came to an understanding of self-defense, came to an understanding of just war, and all these principles that are proper and right for handling things and dealing with problems in the world. But they are numerous out there. There are volumes to understand. All you, I'm sure all you'd have to do is Google just war, and you would come up with a lot of different things out there that would explain how we enter into war and that we we kill others for the protection and for the best and the best of the world in a very governmental and organized capacity and they that's based fundamentally on scripture and it's right to walk in that and it's right to learn that if you want to understand why we have armies and why we fought a revolution and why we did all the things that we've done there's some very good and wholesome understandings that you'll gain. And I think you'll gain a great insight into the word of God. That being said, there's nothing just about what just happened. Sure, did Shechem act wrongly? He did, but he acted wrongly according to his customs, not the customs of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not their, not the customs of their God. Did he maybe manipulate the situation so that he could have Dinah as his wife? Absolutely, probably he did, but he didn't do it based off the idea of just getting what he wanted. He did it based off the idea that he actually loved Dinah. And I think that that bears out in scripture that he did love Dinah and that he did want her to be his wife and that he did want to have a relationship with the family. And those motives were not impure and they were not wrong. His method of bringing that about was clearly wrong and clearly out of line and clearly need to be set right and clearly needed to have consequences. But the consequences shouldn't have been for him and his whole family to be killed and for everything they have to be taken and for their children and their wives and their daughters to be taken into captivity. It's not biblical, wasn't right, it's not right, no way for me to explain it to be right. And uh, sometimes you'll read commentators who'll try to figure out how to explain that. You'll even read some of the rabbinical writings of the past that uh, try to figure out some way to explain this in a positive way. However, most of them bring you to the point where they say, it just ain't right. And in Alabama, that's how we say it. It it just ain't right. And it wasn't right. And uh, there's a great cost to it. And that cost is going to meet it out by, well, by Jacob, by Israel. It says, then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, and notice it mentions him as Jacob's, which means it's mentioning him not in his new, new position 
in God's kingdom, but it's his fleshly, worldly position. Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And since I am few in number, they will gather them, themselves against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed and my household and I. What he's saying is, y'all made trouble for us. You've taken this into your own hands so that you can feel better about yourself. You've let the passions and the anger of your moment, of the moment, bring you to this position so that you just did what you felt like made you feel better about what happened with your sister. Rather than being wise about it, rather than dealing with it directly, you tricked them and you killed them. And if you don't think the other Canaanites that live in this area and the Perizzites who are nearby are going to hear about this and they're going to have a problem with it, you're crazy. Now, obviously, Jacob is under the protection of God and he's going to take care of him. But I doubt that he's going to have a good relationship with the Canaanites from then on. I doubt that they're going to be trusted by anybody from then on. And it is a bad position that they put their family in. And it is a position that ultimately is going to lead to their family having issues down the road. And so what happens when Jacob goes to bless Levi and goes to bless Simeon, neither one of them in his blessing get the land. And when I say get the land, I mean they neither one of them get an inheritance in the land, which is when you read land, you always ought to think the promises of God. Neither one of them get to have the promises of God because of that. That's a consequence. And in fact, the tribe of Simeon does not grow and does not become great. It shrinks. And in fact, it shrinks so small that when they come into the promised land, Simeon doesn't get an inheritance. His tribe kind of marries up with, or I guess the best way for you can describe it, they mix with the tribe of Joseph, which is one of the sons. It's not one of the, it's not one of the tribes that you would normally hear about. They intermarry into the tribe of Joseph and, or intermingle in the tribe of Joseph, and they don't have an inheritance in the land. And also, Levi, who, which is the priestly tribe, they don't get a they don't get land for themselves. They get a place in the towns and villages all around the country because they handle the religious practices of the Israelites, but they don't get an actual inheritance in the land. They don't get the full blessing of God. And that is because of what happens right here. This situation that happened in Genesis chapter thirty-four is for years, centuries, millennia going to affect their children and their lines that come after them. And God is going to, there's a curse that goes with it. And the sins of the father pass to the second, third generation. And that's what's going to happen here. They're not going to get the inheritance of God. And their answer to all this is, they, but they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? And what they do is they just make an excuse for their actions. Now, listen, we already said Shechem shouldn't have done what he did. But that's not an excuse for you to do what you do. So many times, we, as we're living in this world, we come up with an excuse for why we've acted the way we've acted based off the actions of others. And let me tell you something. If you do that regularly in your life, you're going to find a lot of things to blame your poor decisions upon. 
Because if you're looking for something that somebody else has done that was wrong and that was not right as far as your family's concerned, you personally, or just somebody in the world, if you're looking for that as an excuse to do wrong, you're going to find a lot of excuses to do wrong. Doing right, walking by faith, doing the acts of love, loving God, loving your neighbor, loving each other as he's loved, those things are, are hard to do. They're the steps of faith that are required of God's people, and they're difficult. And what they require also is forgiveness, and they require us to get involved in the world we live in and help others walk in the very best that they can. And we allow God to have his vengeance. We are trophies of his grace. And that is the end to the story. And I'm very happy to tomorrow be moving somewhere else. But I think it's an understanding that needs to be developed in the, in the body of Christ. And especially for the hot-headed among us, the, uh, the pugnacious among us, the ones who like to fight, like to argue, like to get into tiffs and arguments with each other. I think, I think this is a great lesson. It's a morality play that's played out that has effects for years and generations to come if you're going to live your life that way. And so I would encourage you to take on the law of love and to set aside vengeance and allow that to be God's work. And if you do, you will inherit the land. You will walk in the promises of God. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.